Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's Business Success and Coffee podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by Valerie. Uh, Valerie Bowden, is that right? Or Bowden? Yes, Bowden. Bowden, great. Uh, And Valerie has been helping companies transform by partnering with brands in Africa. And just before we started the recording, we were just talking about a previous guest, Michael, uh, who obviously is the Ethiopian coffee guy. Uh, and yeah, there's certainly some commonality with the links in Africa as well. But with mm-hmm. with over a decade of experience of living in East Africa, Valerie has helped some of the most recognisable brands in the world to do business and investment in Africa. She's the founder of Cradle, which is spelt C-R-D-L-E, which is a marketplace that connects the world to African brands farmers and also innovators. She helps people source products and fill remote positions with talent from Africa and her advice and experience in African countries have been featured on PBS, Huffington Post, NBC News, Yahoo uh, and the Washington Post and that's just to name a few. And before launching her career, Valerie had backpacked the entire length of Africa by yourself. Mm-hmm. Welcome to today's podcast. I mean, that's a huge journey. I mean, yeah, I'm recording this from the UK, which is a tiny, tiny little country, and uh, obviously, yeah, Africa is huge, isn't it? I mean, that's that's quite a feat. How long did it take you? It took me seven months and nine days, and I <laughs> went. It's called the the Cape Town to Cairo route, so I went all the way from South Africa until I reached Egypt. Um, It was amazing. I had the best time. And I I still feel like I haven't seen enough. Like each country is so different. There's so many things to do. It's so much safer than people would assume. And I had an amazing experience. Yeah. And I love the way you you said seven months and nine Mm -hmm. days, nine days. Yes. It's, exactly. that, it's just like a parent when they've got a, a young child. They always measure it in not just months and weeks, but it goes into days, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, they're, they're nine days old, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so you, you're obviously yeah. very passionate about that. So it's great to have you on the podcast. We'll do the usual start to the podcast as, as we do mm-hmm. about talking about what we're drinking today. So just give us an idea of, of what you're actually drinking today. I'm drinking. I have my mug here. I'm drinking yep. Ethiopian coffee. Oh, right. Michael will be pleased. I know, you know, I'm biased because I lived in Ethiopia for eight years after my backpacking trip and my husband uh, is Ethiopian. So I don't have uh, any other choice. It has to be my favorite <laughs> coffee. And it is, I mean, it's it's great. It's so strong, so smooth. So it's always my go-to. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, such a connection there as well. So uh, is, yeah. is there any particular favorite sort of uh, location, area, bean, um well, okay, so I've become a bit of um, a coffee snob, I guess, okay. when it comes to um, like the ethics behind Ethiopian coffee. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is value made and like made in Africa products. Yeah. So the Ethiopian coffee I'm drinking today is actually from 
Trader Joe's and they don't roast it in Ethiopia. They roast it in California. So I actually picked it up as like a marketing example of how um, you have a better social impact if you roasted it in Ethiopia. And now I'm drinking it because I, I have it at my house and it's still delicious um, yeah. and no against Trader Joe's. But um, so I when I buy Ethiopian coffee as much as possible, I try to buy it from people who actually roast. and It's actually from Ethiopia authentically 100 yeah. percent. Um, so that's my go to. And then it tastes so good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how do you take it? I like it black with a splash of almond milk, but no sugar. Okay, almond milk. Yeah, you see, uh, I'm not allergic to nuts, but if okay. I eat too many almonds and walnuts as well, walnuts in particular, the, the build-up of those over time seems to then give me anaphylactic shock. So I go into full <sighs> swelling up, uh, you know, and, and you know, uh, needing an injection or antihistamines, something like that. But... Uh, so I have to no. stagger that. So I, I'm always slightly awkward with the, the almond milk. I'd love to try it, mm -hmm. but I think it'd just be too too almond of an overdose for me to, to do I would that. say so, I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. Um, no, no. But I am a <laughs> I am a person who's allergic to bee stings and I keep bees as well. So uh wow, yeah. you're so, living yeah. life on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I just love <laughs> I just love I just love honey. Honey's great, so oh. uh, absolutely yeah. amazing. So We've talked about the coffee side of it. Uh, tell us a little bit about Cradle and uh, what was the story behind it? How did this come about? We can see the connection and the very strong connection uh, between Africa and, and your experiences of living and marrying into Africa. Mm -hmm. But just tell us a little bit more about what came um, before they actually set up the Cradle that led to it. Yeah, great question. So the story starts when I, I went to school for social work. So I was very much on the charity, nonprofit career trajectory. And mm -hmm. when I, the first time I went to Ethiopia was before my backpacking trip. And I, I was volunteering for three months with orphans. And I realized that the nonprofit I came to work with was actually illegally operating in Ethiopia. Okay. And this was like a celebrity-backed nonprofit. So it was not one that you would expect would not be doing what they say that they're doing on the ground. And yeah. soon during that three-month volunteer project, I realized that so many of the other charities, um, especially American ones, really weren't having the impact. Some of them were actually having a negative impact. And then I started to see the dark side of volunteering and volunteerism and how, you know, I probably shouldn't have even come as a volunteer. So it was really eye opening um, to see that charities always it's not always what you think it is, even though there are some great yeah. ones. It's not 100 percent for sure. Um, but at the same time, I loved Ethiopia and I was so surprised. It was so different than I expected. It was so safe. The food was good. The coffee's amazing. Um, so I went back to the U.S. I got my master's in social work. And that's when I could not get Ethiopia out of my head. So I was like, I have to go back. I have to see more African countries. Um, and so that's why the idea for a backpacking trip kind of came and unfolded because I didn't have a lot of money. I was out of grad school. So I just bought a one-way ticket and I started traveling around trying to discover what is the continent like? What are the countries yeah. like? Um, and I had such a good time. And when I was traveling, I got a job offer in Ethiopia during my trip. And so I moved back afterwards and I was supposed to stay for six months in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. 
And I, I met my husband along the way, and then I stayed there right. for eight years. And I just, I just moved back to the U.S. Um, this year. So wow. all, all of that time, yeah. So I, I, after a decade of being in Africa and seeing so many, I guess, incredible businesses and entrepreneurs, I just was like, you know what? We need to come up with um, a business that really highlights what they're doing and amplifies the amazing work that's happening across the African continent and then acts like as a matchmaker for businesses around the world who want to partner with African entrepreneurs. Yeah. And and, and that's a, a great story of how you got to that point. And, and thanks for sharing that. And I think to a lot of the listeners will be perhaps very confused about the, the African continent. I mm-hmm. think, you know, we very often understand some of the the, the, the more eastern continents and areas, China, mm-hmm. India, you know, Australia, etc., uh, and even South America. But I think uh, that it's such a continent of contrast, isn't it? You know, and I, I've I've worked with coaches and had coaches in my group that have been from South Africa, mm-hmm. and it's it's polarizing on on the different aspects of the way that businesses do business and the way that workers are treated. Some are amazing. Some are absolutely awful and diabolical. Right. Um, but I think for me, one of the biggest issues uh, I've experienced, uh, as well as it was a perception, uh, sometimes there are significant barriers of trading with some of the African countries. So South Africa is fairly mm-hmm. straightforward, but mm-hmm. somebody, uh, Zimbabwe, you know, I had a coach in Zimbabwe and he had to send his money out of the country into another country then to pay me because he was only yes. allowed to pay $20 at a time from Zimbabwe yeah. <laughs> you know it was just it was so weird um what what would you say to people that perhaps have some perception of of African coast and what perceptions have you seen that you've had to help people break down I think the biggest one is safety. So when people hear that I backpacked so low, they're always like, I can't believe you survived. And uh, I mean, I was, I was hitchhiking across the continent and I would never hitchhike in America, you know? So I think that kind of just shows you that um, African countries are not what you think they are. They're very different. So every time I crossed the border, I was seeing that everything drastically changed as soon as you got into a new country. Um, and I think the other thing that, especially for your audience and for business leaders and organizations, you have to know that there's a billion people in Africa. And if Africa's not on your radar, you're missing out in terms of business opportunities. Um, so, I mean, African countries are quickly becoming the next tech hub destinations. Um, there's great potential to, to sell products to the African market. Um, and there's just so many amazing brands that you can partner with for pri- private label products um, to add African companies into your value chain. Like there's so many different business opportunities. So if you're not working in Africa right now, you're missing a huge chunk of potential revenue and impact and great business partners. Yeah. And it's such a shame, isn't it? Because everybody seems to go around Africa to get mm-hmm. to where they think they're going to get that tech and that you yes. know that connection to the resources and the market that they want but they go around it not not into it and through it even so, mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah and it's, in, it's interesting you said safety there because the first thing that came to my mind i know about you listeners as well hollywood have probably not done a good job of showing africa as being a safe continent similar with uh, south america 
you know, we see the Hollywood films, don't we? And everybody has convoys, bodyguards. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's that kind of feel yeah. to it, isn't it? You know, nothing feels safe, you know, in, in there because it, mm-hmm. it's what we see in the movies, isn't it? It's what we see yeah. you know, on our TV screens and our cinemas all, all the time. So, yeah, exactly. If, if there was, and I'm, this is a really, really hard question to answer, but if you could think of one huge life changing lesson, not experience necessarily, but lesson that you learned from spending that eight years in Ethiopia, because backpacking is one thing and you see country and country, but to immerse mm-hmm. yourself in you know, an African country for eight years, what, what did you take away as the biggest lesson from that eight years? Other than a husband, there's, of course. Um, yeah, he, he was a good part. Um, I mean, there's. I think there's quite a few lessons I've learned from the Ethiopian culture mm-hmm. um, and ones that we try to instill in. We have two kids now. Um, I think Ethiopians do a really good job at valuing people first. Um, okay. So everybody's not in this huge hurry as much as in the U.S. and relationships are first. And it's been... It's been a really good reminder for me to build up a community and build up authentic relationships and to put people over things. And, um, you know, I think in general, also Ethiopians just go way out of their way to help you. Like if you need anything, an Ethiopian will help you. They they will drop everything for you. Oh, yes. Like you you want to have some Ethiopian friends. (laughs) Um, And so I think some of the lessons are just to be. I don't know, just to be more of a human, you know, in in the US, you're in a hurry, you don't go as much out of your way as you as you could, you're so busy doing things that you kind of miss life. And I feel like, I don't know, I guess my husband and his family and living there taught me to slow down, you know, be with people, put people first, and everything kind of works out in the end anyways. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it's probably something that people haven't really thought of about, you know, we see the humanity needs of some of the african countries but we Mm -hmm. don't see the humanity and the human nature of the people do we because it's almost as though we're trying to inject our humanity into it rather than Mm -hmm. look at what their humanity is itself so that's great if if i'm thinking about uh business with with africa uh and you know the marketplace that you've mentioned that it is Mm -hmm. um are there other aspects other than tech that you really direct businesses to and get partnerships working with, or you know, is, is tech the main one? Um, yeah, so we do two different things. So we're okay. all about one, filling remote positions with African talent. And especially after COVID, it's become so normal to have remote team members. And so it's the same thing. You can hire someone who who lives in your country who works remote for a really high wage, or you can hire someone else who's remote who has the same skills and experience and is just a little bit farther away, yeah. <laughs> a lot farther away, um, but has the same skills and is highly affordable because African countries have a lower cost of living. So you can still pay great wages that are super fair, super competitive. Um, and you know be a a great living for them and also give you really affordable talent and so we work with anyone who wants like a virtual assistant um contact center um i've seen people build entire teams of remote developers in ethiopia and uganda and rwanda um yeah anytime you need remote talent i would say it's it's a really smart decision to to look into african countries and 
as long as you structure it smart with good training and onboarding, they'll work like any other on like remote team would. Um, so that's one thing is look into your organization on what positions can be remote and how can you fill it with someone who's skilled and, and affordable. And the second thing that we do is all about product sourcing as well. So um, especially again, after COVID, our business really grew faster because countries like China and India um, had slower turnaround. So people were actually more open to exploring different suppliers. And so we yeah. found that African companies are quite competitive in cost and turnarounds. And there's some really great quality companies who have the certification, the BRC, the organic, the things that you'd want. Yeah. Um, so why not, you know, expand your, your base on who your partners are? Yeah. And I think, you know, I know you've mentioned quality there a couple of times, but from my own point of view, every time that I've outsourced something uh, to an African nation of, of, of any location, the, the quality has been exceptional. It really, mm. really has. But yeah. the most impressive thing for me is the, the commitment to those work ethics. Yeah, you mentioned ethics mm -hmm. uh, before. You know, it's that the communication is exceptional and the work ethics uh, as well has has really mm -hmm. really surprised me uh, to be honest yeah. and you know there's there's a few people that i use now that do things for me that you know i'm just so happy with and so pleased with and it, it's right. it's it's beyond what i've had from the uk from europe and from the philippines uh, even as mm -hmm. well which i never thought I, I'd, I'd say something like that so yeah definitely listeners quality I work ethics for me yeah time. Yeah, I, um, I I set up like a remote team of cold callers in Ethiopia for a U.S. company. And the Ethiopians are, um, they're beating the in-house American team in, really? in results warmly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and again, it's, I mean, it's not like um, every company. I think it's just like there are so many quality ones. So you just have to find the right ones and set it up correctly and make sure the, the standards are there. And um, yeah, there's great results yeah. they can deliver and setup certainly is everything so mm -hmm. um, so what's what's been the most significant thing that you've actually developed or worked on in your own business uh, lately or recently well there's a couple things we're doing right now we're doing a pilot project um out of uganda with virtual assistants in the podcast realm actually uh, okay. so we are we're training vas in uganda to book guest podcasts um yeah. for anybody who wants to be a guest on podcasts um and then we have another kind of team there that we work with who does podcast editing and um like uploading it and all of that stuff so it's wow. been really fun to see um, we've been connecting with podcasters all over the world now and testing out this pilot to see, um, to work out the kinks before we really okay. promote it fully. But, um, yeah, so well, there, there's um, a conversation, there's a conversation for when this podcast is finished <laughs> anyway, then because, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I know yeah. a lot of people listening to this actually do have their own podcast. In fact, I'm jumping mm -hmm. on a call straight after this with somebody who, uh, uh, is thinking of starting a podcast and it's such an important oh. thing. In today's market, you know, podcasts are so huge because mm -hmm. you can listen to them, you can multitask while you're listening to them, just like Audible books. But so many people are doing it that you've got to stand out. You've got to be more professional in your production and, and everything that you do with them now if you don't want just to be lost in everybody else's noise of podcasts, isn't it? So, so yeah, watch right. this space. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yep. So um, hopefully that is, um, that's off to a great start. And then one other thing that I'm really into, obviously, is the coffee. So mm. um, we do a private label coffee out of Ethiopia. And um, oh. so we have two new, two new buyers this month who are getting their own brand. And um, it's being, it's from Ethiopian farmers, but it's also roasted and packaged in Ethiopia. And so that's one of those examples of 100% made in Africa creates a five times bigger impact. And I'm particularly excited because both of these entrepreneurs are ones that wanted to launch their own brand for so long. And so now they get to do it with these amazing Ethiopian farmers, um, the qualities there. It's like an ISO certified facility as well. Yeah. And that's why I bought that Trader Joe's coffee because I was like saying like, you are having a better social impact than this major, huge corporation. Um, and so it's, it's really cool to see that even if you're small, um, a small entrepreneur, you can set things up the right way and create a social impact while building a good business. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've just triggered a, a question there that for me is quite important because some of the listeners here will be thinking, oh, to do business internationally with Africa, I'm going to have, I'm not a big corporate business. I'm not a large mm -hmm. company or, you know, I don't need uh, virtual assistants, you know, that's not where mm -hmm. I am at the moment, you know, I've got teams, etc. And for the people in the middle, so people like me who want the VAs, etc. that's great, the big mm -hmm. corporates, yeah, that's great. But the majority of people perhaps listening to this are those in the middle that just think, this doesn't fit with me, I'm not big enough, I'm not small enough. Mm -hmm. is, is that something you see people using uh, resources from Africa, etc.? I think working with African partners is your secret sauce, no matter how small or how big you are, because Great. if you need any kind of talent, it's more affordable in an African country. And if you need any kind of product, you're gonna get really good quality, very competitive in prices, plus you have that whole story and the marketing that goes with it. And you're often able to source things that aren't on Amazon that the store next door doesn't have, so you're getting something really unique. And so I don't think it, I've, I've worked with like small entrepreneurs who just want one VA and I've worked with fortune 500 companies who are setting up teams of a hundred people or more and, and everybody in between. And so it's, it's for everyone, you know, yeah. it, it, there's no exception to that. Great. Great. And that's good to know. So yeah, it's, it's for mm -hmm. everyone. It's accessible to everyone. It's safe for everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, as long as you take the right advice, set things up correctly uh, and mm -hmm. work obviously with someone like yourself. Yeah. Which, yeah. which leads me on to the, the next point then. Uh, if people want to reach out to you and connect with, with you, Valerie, where, where do they go? How, how do they find out more about what you do and how they can uh, you know, get better talent, better resources and better partnerships with Africa? Yeah, well, so we have our website, but I would say, um, so it's cradle.com, but I'm also quite active on LinkedIn. So every day I'm posting tips on how to set up teams correctly, how to recession-proof your business with, with African um, companies. Um, so even just following me on LinkedIn, Valerie Bowden, um, and I do one-on-one -on -one consultations all the time. So you can book like a free appointment if you're like, I don't know how to do it, if it's worth it, if it's right for us. Um, we I have on calls all the time just to walk through what it would look like and I think one thing that we've done is we do a lot of like one month pilot projects as well with people. So if you wanted a VA, try it out for one month is what we say. And then after that, just go by like a month by month basis. So there's no long-term commitment. 
I think people are afraid of getting locked into something bad or scary or something that's not going to work. And so we always work on like a one, like one month contract. And um, we do that because we know the fear of, and the stereotypes of working with African companies that you need to have something that's like frictionless to start. And also because people don't stop working. Like once you get really affordable help and really good products, like you're not going to end it. So that's kind of also our secret. And and it's interesting. I mean, just picking up on the, the the area of of VAs and virtual assistants uh, and executive assistants, because a lot of people call them EAs now, aren't they rather than VAs. Mm -hmm. But most of my poor experiences haven't been overseas they've actually been here in the UK yeah and sometimes the experience that we have on our doorstep makes us very resistant to reach out overseas because we think it can only Mm -hmm. be you know a worse effect by having distance than actually somebody who is just a couple of hundred miles away or you know 10 miles down the road I mean my 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 personal uh, problem with a VA was somebody who only lived 30 miles away and I did actually see them occasionally and it was the worst experience I had of a virtual assistant at all. Yeah, yeah. the best ones yeah. have been opposite sides of the planet. So, uh, and it well, makes sense because if you look at like the global talent economy that everybody's accessing, there's there's not as many good jobs I found like in Ethiopia or Uganda or Rwanda. So when, uh, for example, I I recently did like a Ugandan virtual assistant to a British company. Um, and they were asking her in the interview, like, why haven't you found a job? Like you, you have so much experience. And she's like, I've been looking for months. Like there's no local opportunities. And so you get someone like that who doesn't have local opportunities. You're paying them like a great salary. And now they get to work, um, as a virtual assistant for you. Like that's a huge opportunity that, um, they're going to appreciate and work hard for. And you might not find that as easily locally when there's a lot of other opportunities for, um, employees. Yeah, I'm going to say something that might, for some of the listeners, might be for you, Valerie, a little bit sort of controversial uh, and thought-provoking. I hope, but I know when uh, I reached out to my first virtual uh, assistant, who who was a, a great lady, and I couldn't believe she worked for me 40 hours a week, and I, you know, what I, what I asked her what she wanted to get paid, and she told me, and it was it was ridiculous. I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. And I think very often, you know, very often the US and the UK, we think you know we're taking advantage of people by paying this kind of money. But this this lady was, uh, you know, a university graduate, and she she said no, please, that is that is fine because the money that you're paying me is more than I will get locally by two mm-hmm. times the amount. She's mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to not only be able to afford to live where I live, eat well, live well. I'm going to have yeah, money. I want to send nearly forty percent of a salary to her family as a thank exactly. you for putting me through education, and it was yeah. it was something that I personally had to get over this this feeling of you know how how can this be that I'm paying this amount of money for so much effort and in the end the relationship didn't work out because I didn't actually have forty hours worth of work together and her work ethic was mm-hmm. such that she said sorry you know I'm going to have to leave because you're not giving me enough to do. I said, but I'm giving you more than enough for the value that I get. Um, right. But, you know, I think there is sometimes that barrier of us feeling that we're taking advantage, etc. What would you say to anybody who's perhaps listening to this that had to overcome that same obstacle that I've, I had to overcome? What would you say to them? That's a great question. Well, first, so when I, I just moved to the U.S., and so my rent is now 10 times more than it was in Ethiopia. 
Uh, okay. So again, you have to look at the cost of living is completely different. So, you know, a hundred dollars or a hundred pounds is it spends differently in an emerging market than yeah. it does at home. So that's part of it. Um, the second thing you have to look at is, you know, people are taking these opportunities out of choice, right? You're not forcing them into it. So they're taking it because they feel like it's the best opportunity yeah. for them. Right. So um, you might not understand the context of, like you said, she, she was making double than what she would have made locally. So it was a great opportunity for her. So, um, yeah, if people are taking it, it's out of choice. It's because this yeah. is the best opportunity they have and they're, they're grateful for it. Yeah. And the third thing I would say, which has changed since COVID, is um, I would say you, you, you are paying a little bit more um, these days for virtual assistants and other developers anywhere because if if you don't they'll get on upworks and they'll take on four other projects 10 other clients yeah and so i would say it's instead of paying like the cheapest of cheap salary now it's worth it to pay um less than what you could get locally but a little bit more and more generous because then they're not gonna take on other work um Good and that's yeah. So that's when I sometimes I work with clients who are like, we just hired someone on Upworks, but now they're doing they have so many other clients. And it's like, if you would just increase their salary a little bit, I think you would make you would incentivize them enough to be happy with that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's another tip. Yeah. And I, and I think we sit here very privileged to be talking on this podcast and we we're very insulated. Many people listening to this won't quite understand that cost of living difference and mm -hmm. the economies of scale of currency and things like that because we we only look at the currency and the the ecosystem that we live in uh, mm -hmm. without really trying to understand the others and I, I should imagine coming to someone like yourself that's where you get that better explanation and that better assurance right. that of, of how it fits and actually the difference that you're making because you know listeners when you do this you can have a real impact on people's lives yeah and their families yeah. you know and, and that's where you know you tick that governance box of course but you actually are making a real difference to people's lives that's what i always say is i hear these entrepreneurs were saying i want my business to take off so that i can give to projects in africa and build a school there and build a road and i think no, 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 you can actually have an, an amazing social impact now. You don't have to wait till your business takes off yeah. um, to the level you think. And just by hiring or sourcing products ethically from yeah. African entrepreneurs and African talent, one, your business is going to become more sustainable and stronger and more competitive. And two, you're creating a job where jobs are desperately needed um, in an African country. So it's like a win-win. Um, and I, again, I came from the social work background. So I switched over into business because I felt like it made a bigger social impact to create high paying, sustainable jobs. Yeah. So I'm doing this secretly because of the social impact, but also because it's it's lovely to to give real business solutions that are making a difference and having like a 10X return for people. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. So let's go to the tip. You know, I always ask, yeah every guest to share a tip or a lesson that you would like to give the listeners where they can go away and do something with what you've uh, want to share with them today. So if you could give the listeners one tip, one lesson today, what would it be, Valerie? Can I give two tips? Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you want to give half, I might complain, but two, <laughs> two is always good. 
Okay. I would say the first tip is just to look at your business and see, okay, what positions can be remote? Um, and where could we, where could we hire someone from an African country for yeah. this? How would that increase our DE and I and, and make a difference? Um, or if you're more of a physical product business, you know, what product could we source from an African country? So just kind of looking at your business and seeing where the opportunity is and then just start small. So you don't have to hire a whole remote team of Ethiopian developers, just hire one person and see how it goes and go and scale up from there. And then my second tip is honestly, plan a trip to an African country for vacation in 2023. And I say that because one, I'm very biased that African countries have some of the best travel destinations in the world. Um, and also, I think Africa seems so scary until you go to one of the countries and you're on the beach drinking out of a coconut, you know, and then you're like, oh, it's, it's not so it's not so scary. Like, this is really great. And that will open up your mind enough to see that Africa is different than what you think and make you want to to travel again there and be more open to business. And certainly, if anybody's listening in here from Europe or from the UK, the time difference, time zone difference is negligible. So you don't mm -hmm. even have to cope with the horrible jet lag. Yes, sure enough, it's going to be a long journey, but yep. you haven't got this eight, nine hour time difference because you're going north exactly. and south, not east to west. So, uh, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. And if you had, if you wanted to know like the top three, like three places to visit, I would say like South Africa is amazing, Cape Town. Yeah. Um, Zanzibar is great, or Malawi was my favorite country that I backpacked. Malawi. They have like this gorgeous lake, it's the best. Out of all 13 countries, Malawi is my favorite, and nobody goes there as much because nobody talks about it, but it's really lovely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to yeah. plan a trip and you know have an adventure this year, and and then you'll start to see that it's not what you think, and like let's do business there as well. Yeah. You know, you could write it off as a business expense by traveling there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, <laughs> Final question then, Barry. If if you were to have your next Ethiopian coffee, uh, mm -hmm. of course, you know, sourced, ground, roasted in mm -hmm. uh, in Ethiopia, and you were having it in Malawi, did you say? Yep. Yeah. Give us an idea of your favorite place where you'd be drinking that coffee. Tell us what it looks like. Tell us what time of day it would be in Malawi. Give us an, an insight into Malawi because... You know, I've never said okay. that so many times in one sentence before. But <laughs> but also tell us if you were reading a business book, who would the business book be by and what would it be? Oh man. Okay. So if I was in Malawi, I would be sitting in front of Lake Malawi. It's huge. There's like little islands on it. There's people in dugout canoes kind of going past you. Um, drinking my ethically sourced coffee from Ethiopia or, or coffee from another neighboring country like Uganda. Um, my favorite book, I've been getting into some of these, um, I don't want to say woo-woo books, but mm -hmm. I just read this book called The Audacity to be Queen by Gina Devi. And okay. it's, it's not the traditional business book, but I think it's really great for female entrepreneurs because it's all about you know, stop asking for permission and start really claiming your life and creating it. And I think a lot of times business is 80% like your subconscious beliefs and 20% about what you actually do. And so when you actually show up with your full case capabilities and, you know, feeling confident and doing what you want to do in the world, then everything kind of um, falls into place. So yeah, that's a great book for especially women, I think would enjoy it. And that's the audacity to be queen. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go, listeners. We're all going to rush out and either get a hard copy mm-hmm. or an audible version of, of that. Fingers crossed it's an audible because I, I, I listen to books more yeah. than I do read them, so that's great. Uh, and Malawi, listeners, let's give that tourist industry a good boost and go and have a look. And yeah, yeah let's speak to Valerie at Cradle and uh, let's experience what it might be like to travel there on business to look at resources and people and mm-hmm. uh, yeah perhaps we get a holiday of lifetime and for those people that perhaps are listening in accountancy industries or tax industries yeah we'll put it down as business expenses mm-hmm. as well but don't tell anybody yeah. else so that's good <laughs> that's good thank you for being such a great guest Valerie you're giving us uh, so much insight and I think really showed us the importance of not going around Africa let's Mm -hmm. go into it let's go through it let's consider it for everything that we can have so that we don't miss that huge opportunity of business success that we can have by doing business Mm -hmm. with Africa as well and of course listeners reach out to Valerie and find out more about that so just give us um if you can just spell your name for us so we get it right when we search for it uh and and tell us where we can go and connect with you Yep. So it's Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E. My last name is Bowden, B-O-W-D-E-N. And also you can check us out and get links to everything on our website, cradle.com. Cradle.com. And that's C-R-D-L-E.com. Yeah. Cradle without the A. Yep. Cradle without the A. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) Africa puts the A in Cradle, so don't need it. So thank you so much for being a guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Listeners, all you have to do now is go out and do something with what Valerie's talked about. Reach out to Valerie, look at Africa and look at the the remote working, look at your own business and see what you can uh, outsource and perhaps consider where you're outsourcing and do it differently. But most importantly, uh, perhaps consider a trip. I think that's a great, great tip. I've never had anybody say, go on holiday. That's a great business tip. Go on holiday, take some time away from your business and visit Africa. You know, what else could we do but that? I think that'd be great. And uh, as always, I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.